Should you, are we supposed to be walking the whole time, or what's the We deal? can pause. Oh, I, I'm done with whatever. I'm okay. up to walk, or whatever makes the best podcast. Um, we can walk around. You can describe things. Yeah, because I, I actually you, like, started recording. We started? Okay, yeah. we're in it. Okay. <laughs> so, tell, tell the listeners who you are and where we are. Okay, hi. My name's Chris Duffy. I'm, uh, should I, like, give my full intro? Okay. Uh, my name's Chris Duffy. I'm a human male. I'm a... <laughs> I'm a comedian, and I'm also the host of a public radio show called You're the Expert, where comedians try and guess what a scientist does. It's a very fun show. You should all listen to it. I'm not suggesting that you stop listening to this podcast right now, but you should definitely subscribe to it if you haven't subscribed to it. And if you want, like, a fun, like, middle ground, if you want to ease your way into it, you can listen to the episode that Kinesis is on. Yes! Yes! That's a, that's a way to, like, ease your transition. Yeah. In case, like, you need my voice for some reason. If you're listening to this, you probably do need Kinesis' voice. <laughs> And where are we? So you, you asked me to pick my favorite place in Boston. And I don't live in Boston anymore. I live in New York. And so I, I think fondly of living here. And one of my, my, all my favorite places, though, were places where like, I could like, sneak in and do work once I like, started working from home and would like, need to leave. And uh, so my two initial picks were the Cambridge Public Library and the Boston Public Library. But they like, both frown on <laughs> podcasting <laughs> and talking. <Yeah. laughs> so the other one is I, I didn't go to MIT. But I, MIT has free internet that anyone can get on. Really? The Wi-Fi you can just get on. What? And maybe I just look like an MIT student or something. I think so. I'm like a young white male. <laughs> and so they're like, he looks like he might not have the social skills of others. <laughs> so I would, uh, I would often go and like sneak into this library that we're right behind and like type on my laptop and be like, look at me, I'm so productive. And every single time I went in, there would be like, a dude sleeping, a dude not wearing shoes, like someone eating like a salad, like is always a really un, really unusual stuff in this yeah. library. People just live in there because it's the engineering library, I think. That makes sense. But it's the one that's like the least well guarded. Mm-hmm. I'm sure after this podcast, They're gonna guard it'll be heavily guarded. But all the people that work there listen to this podcast. Yeah, every time I went in there, I was always like, I, I would alternate between like, this is going to be a day when I get arrested and like, what a fun backstory for when I make it. <laughs> this is going to be a great day. Uh, but we're actually like equal we're equidistant between the library right now. We're outside between the library and in Anna's Taqueria, which is the other thing I really miss oh, from Boston. Nice. So good. There isn't good Mexican food in New York? Sure there is, but I, Anna, I don't even think Anna's Mexican food is just like yeah. really good bur- super burrito. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, this is something that Josh Gondelman and I talk about a lot in New York is like <laughs> Anna's Taqueria. Man, because he loves that. He, but he loves them so much that they have like sponsored him. What? Like he gets like free burritos from them. I don't for know. Life? Yeah, and they like somehow like sent him free burritos for a birthday party once. What? Not for, I don't think it's for life or an official <laughs> position, but I mean, he tweets about it and they're like, great free press for us. Here's some more burritos. And I'm like, no. Although actually we, we share a similarity in that he got the free burritos, which is better. But I have been doing this show for like a year. That's uh-huh. a really silly variety show about how much I love a, a one particular type of mixing spoon. And that uh, spoon company is based in Seattle and they sent me a crate of spoons. <laughs> How, ma- how many spoons are in a crate of spoons? I think it's like 30 spoons, but I, but I will say I had bought 70 spoons. Like I certainly was, they're a very small company and I was definitely their biggest customer. Cause I, every time I did the show, I gave away one spoon and they literally my Amazon most, if you look at my Amazon history, it's like spoon, 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 book, spoon, 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 book, you know, like soap or something like that. It's really crazy. So, and they, they don't have an advertising budget at all. Like totally. If you look at their Twitter, it's like. Last two summers ago, they tweeted, like, it's hot out there. Use our ice cube tray. And then, like, nothing <laughs> since. <laughs> so when they heard that I was doing this show, they were like, we got to get on this. Give this guy spoons. Don't ever let him stop. And I think Anna's might have had, like, a smaller reaction to that. Nice. To him. Um, yeah. 
I think it's very respectable that your favorite places are places you can go to work, not like relaxed places or like fun places. Just like got to get that work done. I'm definitely not cool. <laughs> but I'm, that's also very frugal. They're all places that are free access. Nice. Like what, what do all these places share in common? They are also places where hobos go during the day. <laughs> where, where people who lack permanent homes also go during the day. Those are all my favorite places too. Nice. Yeah. I'm one step above being like, my favorite restaurant is the soup kitchen down the road. I've eaten in a few soup kitchens. Well, like, that sounds bad. I have a home. Um, but no, like, when you're serving, you can also, like, eat with Oh, yeah, people. I've done that before. Okay, cool. That's I a strong, think... I feel like that's a strong selling point. Okay, sweet. Like, I like the volunteering and the being a good person, too. But I'm yeah. like, I'll also do most things, that, like, if you give me free food. Really? I have many times had lunch with people that I don't particularly <laughs> like, who because they work at tech companies that have free food. Yeah, yeah. All and right. I'll just be like, I can spend half an hour making small talk. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, also, by the way, if you're listening to this and you're a person I've had lunch with, I probably do like you. I probably like the you. The chances are good. The chances are good. It's only a few people. Oh, okay. good, good. I lied. I like everyone I've ever had lunch with. Please don't stop giving me free lunch. <laughs> should we walk or should yeah, we just should walk. I just keep endorsing products and, and free things? <laughs> I love it. Last, um, last week or so, I recorded one with Nick Chambers, and we got into like a heavy discussion into Cheez-Its, but Cheez-Its hasn't given us anything yet. Oh, yeah. Well, I feel like you got to be real aggressive about putting it out there directly to them. Like, I did a show where we were giving away Pocky, and we just kept tweeting directly at Pocky. And right. the person who runs Pocky is definitely in Japan because it was some poorly translated tweets. But they got really excited, and we're like, you're all Pocky friends now, <laughs> which I think means something, yeah. but I'm not, I'm not positive. Is that like a club you can be a member of? That's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. So do you, I know you, don't, you didn't go to MIT, but do you know what any of these buildings are? No, but also I, I, I believe that they don't even use names. They use, like, numbers. So, like, when you have to meet someone here, it's, like, 1-1479, which is both, like, really, like, okay, well, that's kind of lame, but also is so much more logical because you can, if they tell you where you're supposed to meet them, you can just find it because all, all the buildings are, like, arranged logically. Oh, okay. So if you're, like, my office is 117, people are, like, I'll get there, whereas as opposed to when, you know, if you go to a regular college, it's, like, I'm in Franklin Hall oh, yeah, on the third floor, and you don't really know. Good luck. Yeah. But we're actually, I have no idea what this is. This, if, since you're not here, you're listening, <laughs> this looks like a big turtle shell made of metal. Yes. And it's outside. I don't know. This seems like they're maybe getting ready for graduation here, too. Oh, yeah. It is, uh, it is early May. That would make sense. And it's beautiful outside right now, which is another thing. I like Boston when it's nice outside. It happens rarely, but it's amazing. <laughs> it's really great. It was horrible. It wasn't horrible yesterday, but it wasn't good yesterday. It was like the first sun we'd had in like weeks, I want to say, after just rainy days. And yeah, people were just like chilly, but like still outside because there was sun at all. I know. It makes such a difference. Like, it also, my, my mood is so affected by the weather. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this is what people tune into podcasts for, right? <laughs> people making small talk about the weather. <laughs> at the end of this, we should actually try and go into that library and just record some ambient sound, even okay. though we won't be able to talk, because I guarantee you there'll be some crazy stuff going on. Maybe we could just them. like whisper yeah. into the microphone, like, there's a guy with no pants on. I bet you that'll happen. <laughs> okay, cool. If there's no security, I'm down to do it. Oh, there is security, but I feel like they're just baffled by what everything that's happening, so they're not going to care. Okay. So tell the listeners when you moved away from Boston and what for. Uh, so I moved, uh, I moved away from Boston three years ago, a little, a little less than three years ago. Um, and I had been doing, I had like started to do comedy full-time while I was here. Mm-hmm. I think I'd done it for a year or two here full-time. And, um, I mean the, the short version is the, 
my current fiance, then girlfriend. Um, oh, you're engaged now? Oh, yeah. And I'm, I'm getting married in like four weeks. Oh, shit. Probably by the time this comes out, I'm <laughs> married. <laughs> or something went horribly wrong. Oh, um, yeah, we've been together for like 10 years, so yeah, it probably <laughs> seems like probably not something horribly going wrong in the next four weeks. Um, yeah, so, but basically the, the short answer is that I had moved here because um, she got a job here, and I was like, I could do comedy and oh, be wait, a teacher, you a writer. Or move, um, when you say here? Moved to Boston. Okay. Um, so, like, after college, I couldn't, like, I was trying to get a job as a journalist, uh -huh. and all of the newspapers went bankrupt, basically. <laughs> yeah. And so I uh, was like, well, what else do I like doing? And I, I like teaching, and I like comedy. And right. comedy felt like that's a crazy idea of how to make money. Yeah. Um, and I still kind of feel like that. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, I'll, I'll teach somewhere. And um, I got a job teaching English in Greece, actually, really randomly. I found, yeah. like, this thing online, and I, like, applied. Wait, are you, are you Greek? I'm not. I look okay. like I could be Greek. You do. I, I saw a picture where you were like very tan, and I was like, "Is he ethnic?" Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, when I was in Greece, everyone would always when I I like learned how to say a couple things in Greek, yeah, and yeah. when I said like "hello," people would be like, "Where Where's your family from?" <laughs> and then I, I'd be like, "Oh, like America." And they're like, "You're not Greek, but you have Greek head. <laughs> you have a Greek head," um, which I think is Just true. Your head. The rest of your body. Not yeah. Greek. Oh, definitely not. No, no. <laughs> they're like, "You have a Eastern European Jew body and <laughs> and uh, and a Greek head," and I'm like, Are "You." you my, my mom is Deborah Cohen. Oh, okay. So it's uh, like Irish. My dad is Irish, and my mom is like Eastern European Jew. Okay. And yeah, so. so but you'd be really specific if you were like, I have an Eastern European <laughs> Jewish body, no. not Eastern European Jewish. Yeah, no, that uh, maybe would even be anti Semitic, it feels like, <laughs> right on the line. Nope, I really do have it. Huh. You're too nice. People wouldn't assume you were anti Semitic. Yeah, they'd be like, that's what's a very pleasant way for him to express his <laughs> hatred of his own body and that people. Um, so yeah, so I. Uh, I like really, it was so random. I like was, I, I think I applied to like 500 jobs. So I, sure, yeah, let's go. This is like an unfinished graduation tent that we're going in right now and people are playing cricket in indoors, outdoors, kind of like semi indoors. Yeah. This is of course like, these are not people who have like a cultural heritage of cricket. They're just like, I don't like baseball, but I like cricket. <laughs> they're like ironically playing? Yeah, I think so. I think they're like, you don't know, well, maybe some of them have, an, have a heritage. As we get closer, I'm like, perhaps all of these people are from Southeast Asia. Yeah, I was like, uh, I think. <laughs> but there is one white guy batting. They could be British. They still do that, right? Oh, yeah, I guess there are other countries that I always think of it as like India and Pakistan. I think that uh, mainly because of that John Hamm movie that nobody saw like three years ago. Mm, don't know. It was a Disney film. A Disney film? John yeah. Hamm and a Disney film. It was like. Sorry, there was a ball and, and Chris kicked it. That's the audio of that happening. <laughs> so far, this is a riveting, <laughs> riveting journey through sports. <laughs> um, yeah, John Hamm was in a movie. It was John Hamm, Lake Bell, and they went and got like Indian kids from India who played cricket mm. to be on American baseball teams. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Never seen it. Yeah, but I also, I, it. I literally know nothing about sports and oh, okay. truly. Have no interest in sports, which is actually, I really think a real big reason why I started doing comedy. Really? Because I was like, okay, as a guy, how do you bond with other guys? And I know it's a stereotype, but I also think it's true. It's like so much of bonding when you're like a teenage boy yeah. is like people being like, so should we like go out and like kick the ball around or like throw? And I like was always like, I have no interest in that. So I always gravitated to the other guys who were like, what about like if we like watched this movie and made snarky comments and then we're like, oh, do you, you also like Mel Brooks films? And do you also watch this TV show in The Simpsons? And I was like, I, we're all the same. And that was, that was like the guys where all of us were like, no thanks to the basketball team, but yeah, yeah. yes, thanks to the making fun of things team. That was always my, my crew.
That sounds like a fun crew. We didn't have a crew like that. Or maybe we really? did. I feel like you, part of it. Really? It seems like you would definitely be do that. Were you? Wow. I was on the debate your, team. Yeah. And so I was like snarky, political snarky. I was definitely like an academic overachiever yeah. for sure too. I was the kid in class where I'd be like, I think, excuse me, um, but I think, Mrs. Taylor, that some students are actually losing their focus right now. <laughs> I was a, and like unabashedly tell on people. Uh, let's go. Let's go in this. All right. Cool. Um, is this thing that we're going to go into, they call it the infinite corridor because oh. it's just like looks, it's like a, the longest hallway and it just like looks like it goes on forever. I want to see this. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you'll see, it's definitely not infinite, but okay. it's pretty long. Nice. Um, yeah. yeah, I was, that was a hundred percent. My, my <laughs> thing was like, I'm going to make jokes and then I'm going to do well in school. <laughs> I think so. I also, a real thing is that I went to a uh, bilingual, like, preschool uh-huh. like I went to French and English preschool oh, for do you still speak French? I, I do like I I have no reason to yeah, yeah. but I do like I, I took French all through like when I was like five to when I was 18 yeah. and so I, I don't I'm not really good with like the writing but I'm good at the spoken part and uh-huh. understanding but so because of that when I was like at this like awkward age where I was like I don't like sports I'm gonna make friends by joking I also would wear an orange mock turtleneck and a black beret <laughs> <laughs> and again, not uh, totally sincerely, not in the least ironic. Okay, so I'm laughing at you because that's very funny. But also, I had four berets. Oh yeah. <laughs> in different colors. Wow. Yeah, like so I had a maroon one, a navy blue one, a gray one, and a black one. That's amazing. Yeah, I had I had just the one black yeah. one, but I would wear uh, sweatpants that were like cinched at the bottom, you know, like elastic on the oh, bottom yeah, yeah. too. Those ones only sweatpants. Orange mock turtleneck what? and then black uh, black beret. And what I would, is this look? It was not. I'll tell you, it's not a style that people are have been trying to replicate, <laughs> okay. or that anyone was like I endorse. It was like me combining like beret is cool and I like French, pants are comfortable and orange is a easy color to see. <laughs> I'm also colorblind. Really? Not like fully. Like I I can see. It's not sometimes when you say that people think like you see like black and white like yeah. a dog or something. <laughs> Mine is uh like I just. Sometimes people are like, that's purple. And I'm like, is it? What is purple? (laughs) Like purple. I bought a shirt once thinking it was like a totally, I deliberately bought it being like a totally nondescript light blue shirt. And then I, as soon as I started wearing it, everyone was like, bold move, Mr. Lilac. And that to me, even now I'm like, what is the color lilac? Like, I don't understand that that is a different color. Do we have to like whisper in here? I don't think so. This is just like a regular thing. Okay, cool. But. Uh, yeah, this is where this is like a big fancy MIT building. You're probably hearing it a lot better now, so not outside yeah. in the wind. Um, and Echo. like again, Echo. since I don't know, I didn't actually go here. <laughs> I just know that this is a, these this is the start of a building where people tend to not ask questions about whether or not you go here, and you can oh. just be in this building working on free Wi-Fi. If someone asks, do you have a backstory? <laughs> oh, I, you know what? I never, I never once got asked. And I think. I want to say, I know it's a way better story that I had a whole backstory yes. and that I would have lied, but I, again, I'm such a tattletale, even on myself. I would have been like, I'm not supposed to be here. This is not allowed. I'm going to leave right away. And in fact, I will pay a fine. I'll preemptively pay a fine. I like that as you say that, you put your arms behind your back like you're a bad handcuffed, child. <laughs> Like ready to be handcuffed, for sure. I'm, I am the most rule-following person. I'm so conflict-averse and so incredibly obedient. It's like... I think, I think that as a comedian, there's like really two types, right? Uh-huh. There's like the one that everyone thinks of, which is like, I'm crazy, I break all the rules, and I say everything, and I'm hilarious, and they like drink hard, and they like party hard. Yeah, yeah. And then there's the other type that are like the me type, where they're like, 
I'm thinking really hard about what people think about me, <laughs> and it seems like I really want everyone to like me, and oh man, did I mess this up? Better make people laugh, because that's a clear, definitive liking me. That's really where I come from. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, get that. Yeah, I think it's, it's really two types. And like at, even at comedy clubs or like shows, after yeah. shows, you'll see like half the people are like, we're going to be out till five. And the other half are like, I'm already upset that I'm outside. <laughs> and I'm very social, but I'm very much like, so I'm going to get home now because it's uh, making me nervous that people seem like they're going to do drugs. <laughs> even though I'm like, I, I'm not opposed to it, but I'm just like, we might all get in trouble. What if the comedy club finds out? <laughs> Ooh, there's a thing. Oh, yeah. This is like a, they're selling like glass art. This, these, okay, this is definitely the kind of glass art right here where these are like, these women think they're all selling vases and everyone buying them thinks they're buying bongs. This is, <laughs> if you could see it, it's so clear. Yeah. Like really, like they're like, oh, this is like an amazing hand-blown vase. And everyone's like, and what, where's the thing on the side? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, they, they look so much like bongs. Yeah, I've never seen glass like this outside of a weed shop. Yes, but I'm sure that because we are also in Cambridge and at MIT, this is like organic, sustainable glass, and that each one of these like is gonna house a community. That's, I'm really happy about each each glass. Every time you buy one of these expensive glass bowls, one of the glass bowls is sent to a child in need. <laughs> Because that's what children need. They yeah. need nice glass it's, bowls. It's the Tom's model. Yeah. It's like you get, you get a pair of sneakers, they get a pair of sneakers. You get a fancy glass bowl, they also get a fancy <laughs> glass bowl. They can put it in their not house. Yeah, exactly. Yep. We're, all, we're circling back through, <laughs> right, right back again to the, the part that I was most worried about in this podcast, which is the part where we roasted homeless people. <laughs> Sure that this they is need to be, be taken down a bit. I have to yes. say, every single time I do a podcast, I'm like, will this be the one that ends the career? And <laughs> Not enough people listen to this. To affect yeah, I, don't, I also don't think we've said anything quite so bad yet. But, you know, if it does, I'm pretty confident that I could hack it to your database and get this taken down. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty simple one. Yeah, you already told me where it's hosted. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I now know. Ta-da! Um, but if I, you... you grew up around Boston, right? Nope. I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina. Whoa. So what brought you here? How did you end up here? Do people already know this if they're listening? Yeah. Probably. I don't know. Maybe. Probably not. It's like you probably most first of time my listener. friends. Uh, grad school. I came up here to go to Boston University for film. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. This is how I and apply think, that knowledge. You think you'll stay? Um, not forever. Hmm. Uh, I have never lived in New York, and I watched all of the New York shows growing up, oh, so yeah. I feel this, like, deep need to move there at some point. Like, which shows, though? Uh, come on, like, Friends. Oh, okay. I uh, thought, you know, a lot of times people say that they're, like, Law & Order SVU. <laughs> that does take place there, but you shouldn't move yeah, based on so that. Cool. <laughs> all of the Law & Orders take place there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I do. Uh, American I, Psycho, the movie, set in Manhattan. That was my sister's first date. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Terrible first it's date. A, it was a bad choice. That's this a has been a very long haul. Yeah, the infinite hallway. Yeah. Although we did reach the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> I would like for them to build an infinite hallway and it be the infinity <laughs> circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that'd be perfect. And I would be expect this place to do it. Uh, it does 100% seem like they would make a Mobius strip hallway yes. here. Um, but yeah, yeah, I really, I'm, I'm a big fan of, like, uh, See how we just like walked straight through their entire campus <laughs> and no one stopped us once? No one. Oh, thank you. To me, that is just like, I love the amount of trust. <laughs> and look at this. What we is walk straight through and then there's a sign that literally advertises no event other than <laughs> free food, chance to win tech cash and Amazon gift cards and networking. What is tech cash? It must be like they're like 
campus oh, bucks okay. program, but like this is the kind of thing that only happens at a university that has too much money. This yeah. is actually not, it's a sign for it, not an event. It's just a sign for giving away things. Yeah. That is amazing. What? See, that's what I love is that I would go to things like that but here it says too. Tomorrow, like, what's the actual date? <laughs> it also says tomorrow, it doesn't even have a date. No. This is the fakest thing. Yeah, I mean, I guess this is way less funny if you can't see the sign. Oh, okay, yeah. But it's just the one where there's a number, not a location. Look, I'm telling you, if you can come to MIT's games, I guarantee you, you will see someone giving away free things. It happens every single time I've been here. All right. Yeah. Where? And this this thing right up here, there's like uh -huh. a big building with all these squares on it. Yeah, yeah. And they famously turned it into a Tetris board and played Tetris on it. Like, all the lights, they lit it up on the other oh. side. And then they had a controller, so all the lights would, you could move and, and play Tetris on the whole side of the whole building. I believe that. Yeah. Yeah, these are the things where, again, did not go to this school, but I've been here enough that I've literally heard a campus tour guide giving that anecdote. It's a great place. It's really a great place to work. And, like, if you need somewhere to sit during the day, okay. come sit. I'll yeah. try it out. That's, that, to me, that's the only downside of being, of quitting my day job and doing comedy is that, like, you go from, like, having, like, people where you're, like, oh, I'll, like, go have lunch with this person. Or, like, yeah. I'll take a break and see, like, how's Kenise doing? Hey, Kenise. Well, yeah. Rough day in the office, huh? It's so oh, rough. it's Monday. <laughs> you know? Where is it? And then you're, like, at home on your own. And you're, like, I guess I'm just going to make funny things all on my own. And then you're, like, after, like, a month, you're, like, what have I done? So then I would start, like, coming out to here. And you'd, like, notice things all of a sudden. Like, mm. oh, my God. Here's, like, this is what you need as a comedian to see humanity. Otherwise, all my bits would just be, like, you know when you're sitting at home alone <laughs> crying? <laughs> Have you tried a joke later that is the beginning of it? No. Okay. I feel like my brain is pretty positive. Oh, yeah. And I also generally am pretty happy. So it would be like, people would be like, he doesn't seem like he's crying alone. <laughs> no. It would be even more like, you know when you're talking to yourself and you realize you're talking to yourself and you're like, has anyone else heard me talking to myself? But then you realize you're alone in your apartment. <laughs> and then you're just like, am I going to lose it and not be able to control this anymore? That's a real thought I've had. I worry about that. Yeah. I talk to myself in my room. Not loud enough so that my roommates can hear me, but if someone were to be within, like, six feet of me, they would definitely hear me being like, all right, so you got to do this and then this and then, well, yeah. Also, uh, the real thing that I, like, do all the time when I'm at home is edit a radio show where I am the host. Oh, yeah. So if someone was listening through the walls, they would hear me both really talking to myself, but then they'd also hear me repeatedly say the same phrase over and over and over as I cut it. So they'd be like, welcome to... Well, 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 welcome to, welcome to, your, your, your. And then I'd be like, what is, this guy is having a horrible seizure in there. I do think about that a lot, that they're like, this guy is the most narcissistic person in the world. He just talks for five hours every day. Exactly. Yeah, he's just practicing into a mirror to be a human. Hello, that's a good one. That's a good one. I do imagine that's what an alien would do. Like, that would be their, like, transition process of, like, that, 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 yeah. Don't you, I just have sometimes thought that, like, if you were an alien and wanted to cover up the fact that you were a total weirdo, pretending to be a comedian would be, like, one of the best <laughs> possible ways. Because everyone is just like, I don't totally understand what it is. And, like, even if you weren't funny, they'd just be like, well, I guess that alien's just starting out. <laughs> but you get, I feel like any weird thing you do, if you're like, I'm a comedian, people are like, oh, okay. I get it. I get it. I don't understand, but, like, that's what I've heard about them. They're weird. I wish that weren't the, like, I think some people who don't necessarily care about, like, writing comedy or, like, performing jokes or, like, having a different perspective are and they're like just like hey i'm a weird person i heard comedians are weird i'll go to do comedy things yeah and i feel like the interesting part is that like when people do that when they're like oh i should just do this they often are actually like so not 
original. Like they're not, they think like people are like, I'm weird, I'll just do this. And then it's like, yeah. they actually just say the same things that every other person at the open yeah. mic says. Yeah. To me, the, the, both the interesting part and the really hard part of comedy is mm -hmm. it's so, it takes so long to figure out what makes you unique yeah. and then to find your own voice. Like I feel like I've been doing it all full time for more than five years. Oh wow! And I, I'm, I still kind of feel like, if if I was going to describe the stage, the stage where I'm at in my stand up, I'm like, I'm, I have material that always makes people laugh. Right. But I feel like I'm like a little magpie where I'm like picking up shiny objects and then like I just have a collection of shiny objects. Yeah, yeah. But if you were like, is this a nest? It's probably more like no, it's just like a pile of <laughs> little weird tinfoil jewels. You know, so I'm like, oh, that joke works and that joke works. But yeah. I, I, a thing that I think about a lot is the people who are like the real amazing people, mm. they have such a coherent thing. And I, I don't think they planned it that way, but they're like, yeah. that's what I want to talk about. This is the thing I care about. Here's my, right. all of my jokes are in service of this yeah. message or this theme, you know? That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, what is mine? Mm. Is mine just like, sometimes weird things happen in the world. <laughs> Here's a story about them. I'm happy. <laughs> You're like, I'm kind of friendly. <laughs> I feel like that's not a very coherent theme. Let's, but it's not common. Yeah. Oh, no. I, I think the weird part is that, like, just being like, I'm going to try and treat people well and be, like, nice on stage and, and positive is, like, people are like, what a unique thing you're trying out. Wow. You know, like, people are always like, and there's a, you know, there's a couple of people who are, like, noticeably like that. Yeah. But it's always like, it's you, Josh well, from Boston, nice but then, like, a more successful version is, like, Kurt Brauneler is, like, yeah. he's, like, I try and inject joy into the world. And people are, like, what an unusual idea, a comedian who injects joy. Uh, you know, or, like, I mean, like, someone like Joe Firestone, I think, is, like, yeah. super positive, but she's, like, a little more experimental in that, like, oh, she makes me laugh the hardest. But she'll just, like, be, like, okay, here is a, here's an idea. I'm going to make one person in the audience's life different after tonight <laughs> in a good way. And then like do an experiment with the crowd where she does that. It's so funny. Um, yeah. She's out of New York? She is, yeah. Oh. She's like probably my favorite person to watch. She's so, so funny. Um, wait, so I feel like I never even answered the how I moved to New York or why I moved to New York, which was both the answer to the New York and Boston was mm -hmm. both times I moved because of Molly, my fiance. Which I feel like, you know, sometimes people have, I feel like it's so much more acceptable to move because of, uh, let's go back in the infinite corridor again. Okay. Oh, there's a spinner person thing. Yeah, what is this? So he, he basically has a string with two balls on the end. And he's spinning around his arm like how you would kind of do a hula hoop. But it's like a loose two ball string. He, this is very impressive though. Yeah, it's like circusy. Very well practiced. Yeah, actually, a guy who, um, so at the public radio station, a guy who, at WBUR, a guy who was our scorekeeper, I think you met him, Zach, uh, his name is uh, Jack Lapiars. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, but he uh, he has a circus act on the side. He's a public radio host by day, and at night he is a, a circus act called Jack the Vipper, and he whips, like, he does, like, circus whip tricks. I remember you mentioned that at the beginning of uh, the podcast that I recorded your your podcast that I was on and it was like oh so you got the whipper when you got two black guests on what is this <laughs> yeah that was a, a great example of oh no <laughs> yeah, what have we said definitely cut that out <laughs> there was no way that was going on broadcast and yet it's in this one no yeah this is fine you can curse you can be well it'd be out of character for you to be like mean but if yeah, you wanted oh, to just wait I love I love really? talking shit I, I'm not gonna do it on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little I'm not I, I do enjoy occasionally a good shit talk, but 
I'm definitely not going to do it in a way where it can be released because I fear confrontation. And even a person who I totally hate, I would still be like, oh, my God, but what if they think I hate them? Even if it's accurate. Well, then they would stop talking to you and you wouldn't have to deal with them anymore. You know, but, like, that is, it's so, I understand logically that that's a good thing. And yet, for me, that is, like, a true greatest fear. It's like, what if a person I hate doesn't like me? What if someone doesn't like me? And then I'm like, that's so strange. You don't want to spend time with them. But, like, I... So I have to do, the thing I have to do with people who I actually don't like or who get me upset is I have to just like fully like black and like <laughs> make them so I can't think about them at all because otherwise I like really do obsess about like, man, maybe I should like reach out and <laughs> offer to have lunch or something with them. And I'm like, why? So that I can hurt myself? Like, it doesn't make any sense. I think like I, that's, for me, that's like a huge part of comedy is like the, the laughter and then being like, oh, okay, cool. Cool, we're all good. <laughs> we're all good. I started recently just being like, oh, I, I, don't, I don't like that. Like, what? I've always wondered, like, what's this weird feeling that I get about this person? I don't like them. And yeah. now I just, like, distance myself from people. I may come off as, like, a total asshole, but I'm, like, not. I don't have, it feels like a thorn in my side when there's, like, somebody I don't like and they're talking and, like, being a jerk. And I'm like, why are we here? I don't have to do this. Oh, I can just leave. Okay, I'm gone. Yeah. So I, like... I admire so much people who can, like, just, like, be really blunt. I don't know, like, no, like, it's okay if you're angry. Like, I don't like that. Yeah. I just, like, that's, a, that's, I don't like you and this thing that you're doing. No what? No yeah. problem. But I, while I admire them, I also, like, cannot be in the same room while they do that because I'll always be like, <laughs> it's not me, though. Like, I totally like you. I know that they're saying a thing that I do agree with, but, like, uh, no way. That's, that was, like, that was one of the hardest things for me with, like, doing negotiations. Oh, yeah. It's like, you know, sometimes you have to make someone unhappy by just being like, I'm sorry, like a flight costs more than what you're offering to pay oh, me. Right. And I would always be like, at first I would just like do things where I was like, I'm, I'm going to lose $200 to perform this horrible show. Why am I doing this? But yeah. I'd be like, I don't want the stranger to be mad at me. And so I really had to like teach myself like, nope, you have to, it doesn't matter. This is crazy. Yeah. yeah. What's the craziest show you've performed at? Huh. Well, actually, sometimes when you, sometimes when I, answer this question it's like a bad one Mm -hmm. but I recently did one that was great that was also very weird where it was like a conference of outdoor educators it was so great outdoor educators yeah so they were all like they teach like hiking and stuff so it was like people like 200 people like camping in tents and like I stood like in the circle of the tents (laughs) and then I like did a little comedy show at like 12 noon for them and full sunlight sunlight. and I thought it would go badly and it went great and the only thing that happened was like right before my big closer a wild parrot flew onto the stage and just started streaking because it was in southern california i guess there are wild parrots there and just like shrieked 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 right behind me and literally i had to turn around and be like i've never been heckled by a parrot before and the show had to stop till the parrot flew away how long was that like it felt like 10 minutes it was probably like 45 seconds okay. but it was definitely long enough that everyone was like man that parrot really emasculated him huh <laughs> Um, but probably the weirdest one that I have actually, like the weirdest one that I've done that has not gone well was, um, I, oh, I opened up for Aparna Nancharwa, who is a good friend. I love her. She's so funny. Um, and so often when we perform together, it's so fun. This was, we went to a show that was like in the middle of nowhere and it was at a college and there were literally four people there and 
there were also another four people in the back of the room playing pool on a pool table because we were like in performing in like a living room basically. And at one point, uh, at one point we like went outside and saw the sign for the show and the sign for the show said in giant letters, free food, cake, and then in small letters, Aparna and Sherla and Chris Tommy. And we were like, oh my God, the cake is the way they advertise the show because they knew no one would want to come for us. And then, uh, like, she was trying to do some crowd work, and she goes, like, so what do you guys do for fun here? What do people do for fun in this town? And one of the kids goes, heroin? And she was like, oh, that's funny. That's a joke, right? And he's like, no, there's a big heroin problem in this town. <laughs> so it began, Yeah, we were like, oh, cool. Well, that was great material. We're never going to talk to anyone in the crowd again. And uh, what we've learned is uh, the four people in the town not doing heroin are here, sadly, on a, on a Saturday night. Really regretting that decision. That was a Saturday night too. Yeah, it was really. Wow. It was. I mean, it ended up being hilarious because, like, we just laughed about it the whole way on the mm. ride back. But it was one of those where, if I had been alone, I would have gone back and been like, "What have I done with my life? <laughs> what a horrible, horrible mistake to have become a comedian." Do you ever think that outside of like bad shows, or is it just bad shows that trigger that? I mean, I think one of the things that I've gotten better at over time. I, I imagine you have this too. I, I, every comedian I know has this, where it's just like, it's such a uh, a job where you get rejected a lot. Yeah. Like you have to ask. You have to. No matter how successful you are, you have to constantly be asking to be on shows. Yeah. And often people say no, whether or not that's because they don't like you, or whether it's just like they're actually full, or they're right. you know it doesn't work that time, or maybe they have two people who they think are similar to you, or something like that. Yeah. So. A thing that happens a lot, I think, is like you see someone who you know or who started after you or who for some reason feels like comparable get like a really big thing yeah. and then you feel really jealous and that can be hard to process. And I think the thing that I got, I've gotten a lot better at is realizing like the jealousy is a good thing. Like it means that you, that means that there's a thing where you want that. Yeah. And like, and then whenever I think really, I, I feel like someone else said this, I, I'm almost positive I heard this on a a different podcast where it's like comedians talking about it, but they're like, when you really think about the person who you're jealous of, like the thing they got, it's like, well, why did they get that? Right. Are you actually doing all the things that they're doing to get that? And it's almost always no. Yeah. And then I'm always like, okay, well, do I want to be doing those things? Mm. And often the answer is like, oh no, I just like, I would love for it to have that like big buzzy thing, but then I'm like, I don't actually want the like practice of getting there. <laughs> right. And the things that I get are the things where I put in the daily work of, of doing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that, I think it's really hard to not have those moments of like, ah, uh, Nothing's working, everyone's saying no. And then the highs of like, oh my God, look at this thing. Like, I got this thing that seems to matter and like everyone like is excited and impressed by it. Like, yeah. you know, I, I, it's a high and low thing. Okay. Do you have that too? Of course. Um, I was wondering, based on the heights that you can achieve in New York, would you say that that feeling has increased or decreased since you moved? I think I have a more realistic idea in New York of what, of what my like possibilities could be if I kept working at things and, and worked really hard. Okay. In the sense that like in Boston, I felt like when I left Boston, I had done the main thing that was my goal here, right. which was my goal was when I want to perform, I can get up and perform. Uh -huh. And when I was, when I left here, I was like, I could kind of perform wherever I wanted to perform. It's not like I was like, headlining theaters or something but like right. if I wanted to perform at like the improv theaters I could perform at the improv theaters yeah. if I wanted to perform at the comedy clubs like I, I had gotten up at the comedy clubs not everyone but like enough that I was like cool like I could go up every night of the week if I wanted yeah. um, 
And so that felt like a really big accomplishment. I felt like that took a long time and I felt like people knew me and like I had like a space in the scene. Right, right. Um, I think the thing that happened when I went to New York is that all of a sudden, instead of the people who I looked up to here were people who like had done it for a long time, but like had day jobs, like were, I looked up to people who were just hilarious, period. And in New York, the people who I looked up to and talked to and knew about and like had a social interaction with outside of just like them as a performer were people who were hilarious, did this professionally and could be like where I could see like, oh, the things that they did that got them to have a Comedy Central special, the yeah, things yeah. that they did that, like, make it possible for them to tour on the road, the things that, like, how to release an album. Like, right. And I think the big thing for me was, like, it, it all of a sudden became a lot more realistic of, like, what it takes to get to those things mm-hmm. in that they were things that real people did. It wasn't right. just like, oh, a celebrity does them, you know? Right. Because before I think I'd been like, well, some people are, like, me and my buddies, and some people are Louis C.K., and right, what is the middle it. ground? Yeah. And moving to New York, I, like, immediately met a ton of people where I was like, they are between me and Louis C.K. Got it. Here's every spectrum between. <laughs> and that has been the best thing. Nice. That, like, you know, when I'm auditioning for things or, like, when I'm trying to get stuff, I can talk to people who've done it. Yeah. And just been like, oh, so, like, you did this festival, or, like, you know what it's like to put together a tape. Like, right. is this good enough? And, and I can get honest feedback on stuff. That's good. Um, and I feel like I feel much more inspired to work harder yeah. because I definitely have that, like, like I was saying, I had that like overachiever in like <laughs> elementary and high school where I was like, I got to be the best in class. And yeah. I have a little bit of like, okay, I see the comedy track. Got to do my work. <laughs> Going to do my work in comedy, you know? And I think the, you know, a cool thing about it is that it's, in some ways it's totally about luck and in other ways it's totally a meritocracy. Right. Like, <laughs> those are, those are competing ideas. Yeah, because you kind of need to do both, right? Yeah. Like, in comedy, you're never going to succeed if you don't get lucky. Right. But you're also, the people who get lucky and then keep succeeding right. are the ones who, like, have done all the work and actually are really funny, who can deliver. Got it. And the two things that I feel like are the best compliments people can give about you as a comedian, other comedians, are like, this person is, works really hard. Right. That's a hard, hard, like, the hardest working comedian <laughs> in the city that you're in. Yeah, yeah. That's, like, a really... That's what you want people to think about yeah. you. And then the other one is like, this person is just so funny. You got to see them perform. Because that's how yeah. everything happens. Like, people just like ask me all the time, like, hey, I'm looking for someone. You have any, you know anyone who's good? Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, here's these people. <laughs> and so what you want is to be, have your name be the person that they say. Okay. Right? And uh, that's what happens to me is like, I'll, everything that's been big that I've gotten has been like, Someone asked a person who I am friends with or perform with a lot, yeah, like, yeah. who would be good for that? And they're like, that sounds like a thing that Chris would be great at. Nice. It's almost never, like, what I imagined, which is, like, a guy comes up or, like, a lady comes up after a show and is like, hello, I'm a top shot agent, <laughs> and I want you, kid. <laughs> like, So you imagine someone from the 40s would magically appear. Totally, yeah. They have, like, a, a hat and they're, like, a, an overcoat and they're smoking a cigar. And everyone's like, you Inside. can't smoke in here. <laughs> you can't smoke in here. They're like, shut your mouth, kid. I'm going to make you a star. <laughs> but like, I just, like, I just started working with an agent and yeah. it, it so was like not the process that I thought it would be. Right. Like I thought it would be like, okay, an agent comes and they're like, I'm going to be your agent and watch out because money is about to start flying in. And instead it was like, I was making some money. And so yeah. it made sense for someone to like help me to do stuff with it and right. also like get opportunities that I wouldn't have known about before. Right. So it was more like a partnership. Like it wasn't like, it came because I was ready for it yeah. as opposed to like she didn't like come in and then all of a sudden it was like and now because you have me 
huge things. It was more like, oh, you have stuff that you do. Like, let me help you because I know how the business side works. Right, right. That's going to help if you don't like the negotiation part of it. Oh, for sure. And I, I think, like, just having, honestly, even being able to say, like, hey, like, I probably will send this over to her because that's, like, not, I just have to do that. Yeah, makes yeah. people take you more seriously, I think. Okay. But I, now I'm like, I should have been saying that fakely before and just, like, created an email <laughs> address that was, like, I should have just said, like, Christina Adams at ChrisDuffyComedy.com and then been, like, never talk to people on the phone but be, like, hi, like, I'm going to negotiate on behalf of Chris via email. <laughs> I really think, I've heard of people doing that. I've heard of that too. People do that a lot with bookers. Really? Where they'll have, like, if they run a show and they don't want other comedians to be mad at them for not booking the show. Uh -huh. I've heard of several times of people having, like, a fake person who books the show who's not actually real. Where they just respond from the emails and they're like, sorry, can't have you on the show. We're all booked up this week. Love, Cynthia. And then it's like, who's, and then after someone becomes friends with them, they'll be like, I never met Cynthia. And they'll be like, Cynthia's not real. <laughs> I've heard that story a couple of times. Do you think that you would be meaner as a, like, I guess my correlation to this is like, I can't act, like I hate acting, uh, but if I wear a but wig. you're a film student. <laughs> I, I would make, I like being Make them. You don't like making, you like making them, but not being in them. Yes. Uh, but I can do it if I put like a wig on. Mm -hmm. So like, even if it would be a wig of like my own hair, I'd need like a wig. <laughs> Whoa, that's a really, for some reason, that's such a creepy idea. I don't know why. It seems no, like, like it should a wig be that looks like my hair, not like I cut my hair off. <laughs> it, just, like it just seems like it shouldn't be as creepy as wearing someone else's hair, but it definitely <laughs> is creepier and weirder. A wig of my own hair. <laughs> I've been slowly collecting it. Um... Sorry, I actually lost all of the question because I was so focused on how weird your hair wig is that you have in your room of your own hair. Of my own hair. Yeah. Uh, no, like, do you think that that would enable you to be, like, m meaner, I guess, if oh, you were... Oh, for sure. If I was wearing a wig of your hair, I would be so much meaner. I'd be like, look at Kinesis' hair. I'm a mean asshole now. Look at this freaking hair. It's Kinesis' hair wig. Uh, I do. No, I do think, like, I honestly, I'm so much better at, like, negotiating and having tough conversations when it has to do with you're the expert than when it has to do with my own personal stand-up. Yeah. And it's because with you're the expert, it's not me. Right. Like, it, I'm involved, obviously, but there's other people, too. So, mm -hmm. like, if if I was to somehow agree to, uh, like, a number for a budget where we lost money, right. it's a we losing money. Yeah. Like, and I would be, like, I would be asking other people to work for free and to, like, suffer. Right. Which I first, I just, like, it's so much easier for me to be like, can't do that. That's crazy. Yeah. But if it's myself, like sometimes it's hard to be like, well, maybe I should just do this for yeah. no money because it's only me doing it. Right. But I have to then, the thing that I've like increasingly done is be like, is this a person I know? Is it a date that I'm going to for sure be free and won't have to turn down other things? Right. And like, is it for a good cause? And would it make a difference to them? Because sometimes people are just like, like I have people all the time from like universities be like, yeah. Will you come and, like, perform or talk for free? And it's like, if you work at Harvard, they literally have more money than any organization in the world. So when someone asks, like, will you do it for free, it's almost always like, is that real? Does it really a necessary thing? Or is it just like it's kind of a pain for you to get money? Because sometimes you'll be like, no. And then they'll be like, what about would you do it for $7,000? And I'm like, sure. That sounds... I guess. I'm glad, I'm glad I said no to zero. That 7000 was your backup. Actually, do you have 100000 It sounds like you might, you know? Yeah. Like that, I feel like that, I mean, not those exact numbers, but stuff right. like that happens. Wow, okay. Not, not in that scale, but like where people will go from like nothing to something just because I like, the, uh, here's, here's actually kind of a, the reason why I started uh, not like being, having a hard line for not, um, 
doing shows where I lost money, yeah. unless it was like for a clear charity or something. Right. It, you would think that it would be like, oh, I got into a tough financial spot, and that's why. Right. Actually, what it was was I was a contestant on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. What? Oh, yeah. I saw the pictures of that. Yeah, yeah. So I was on, and I was so 100% convinced that I was going to win a million dollars. I was like, this is made for me. <laughs> it's going to be great. Like, I'm going to tell such great little bantery stories, and I'm just going to crush these questions. Right. And I got on the show, and the host is Chris Harrison from The Bachelor. Okay. So, first of all, like, I get on there, and he's, like, wearing this, like, thick makeup. And I'm wearing this thick makeup, too. Yeah. And they're like, okay, like, uh, you're going to talk to Chris. And he, like, was, the amount we interacted was so little that, it, like, he could have been an animatronic figure. <laughs> so, I was already so thrown off because he was less, like, turned, like, Meh. let's play. You know the rules. Okay. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, what? He's not a human. Um. And the makeup artist that said something, like, when she, like, put my makeup on, she's like, oh, it's so nice to work with someone with, like, uh, an unusual face or something. And I was like, unusual face? What? Your face is not unusual. That's what I thought. But then I was like, what did she say? She said, I think she said something like, we work with so many, like, celebrities and models, it's nice to work with, like, a real person. Oh That's what God. she said. And I was like, a real person? Okay. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> You're looking at a fake face right here, lady. Um, but so I got on, and I was, like, a little thrown. But then I just crushed the first five questions. Yeah. So I got like, boom, boom, boom. And then they went to commercial break. And I was like, I'm going to win a million dollars. Oh, my God. And then the question that I got out on was they were like, it, this wasn't the whole question. It was part of it. But it was right. like, what does NASCAR stand for? Oh. And I didn't even know it was an acronym. Yeah. I thought it was just like how Southern people say nice car. <laughs> <laughs> so, Did you say that? No, no, no. But I was like, is this an acronym? Oh, gosh. Uh, and it turned out that like the, per the part that I didn't get was stock car. Oh. I didn't understand the S was stock. Um, National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing. Oh, okay. Um, but so I, um, okay. So anyway, so I, I, on there, I like lost, quote unquote. Like right. I still got money, but like I was so sure I was gonna win a million. And then yeah. like the fact that I didn't win made me be like, what? Because okay. I, I thought so much about like all the things that I would yeah. do with the money and like how it would like help my professional career. Right. And so then I was like, you know what? If I'm not gonna make it here, I'm gonna make, I'm just gonna start making money. <laughs> so I just like instantly started being a harder negotiator. And I was amazed because I was like, I like, doubled the amount of money that I made from yeah. Millionaire really fast in That's terms of like great. actual work where yeah. I was like, whoa, I made more money than on the game show by being an actual comedian. Like <laughs> just because I started asking for more money sometimes. Right. Uh, and so in a weird way, that was like the moment where I was like, <laughs> if I can't win it on the game show that involves only luck and no talent, like if I can't just like, if I can't be a straight white man living in America entitled to my, my million dollars that I feel entitled to, then I'm going to get it by other people. That was kind of how... That's that a great, like, not origin story, but, like, moment of decision. That's, that's yeah. amazing. It's from the uh, autobiography I'm writing called uh, The Story of Entitlement. <laughs> Privilege. <laughs> Privilege, the Chris Duffy story. It'll sell. Oh, I'm sure it will. Yeah. If it won't, I'll force them to buy it. <laughs> so, do you want to tell the listeners where we are now? We've been walking this whole time. You oh, yeah. heard this. So, we, like, walked from one side of MIT to the other, mm -hmm. and now we are at... Kendall Square, right close to the T station there, uh, which is like, I think maybe not the best part of Boston. It's oh, no. not my favorite part of Cambridge, but it's not bad. It's just like everything feels a little like, uh, like businessy. Like this yes. is we're we're next to like we're right in front of Google, where I have eaten a free lunch with a person who I did like. Oh, good. Um, great. That's a great meal up there, man. They're talking like salmon every day. What? Salmon, like filet mignon. I mean, they. 
if every time you search, you're paying for somebody's lunch. That's, oh. I'm telling you. Um, also, Gmail. Big fan. I'm a big fan of Gmail yeah. as well. Love Gmail. I Love. had Hotmail for a long time. Oh, no. I had Yahoo for a long time. I gave both of them up for Gmail. Yeah. Sometimes I have uh, friends who use AOL addresses, like people our age, and I'm like, just like... Red, like, ironically? I don't think so. I'm just baffled by why they would do it. Actually, uh, Roy Wood Jr. from The Daily Show has an amazing joke. I saw him perform live recently, and he has an amazing joke about how he uses AOL uh -huh. and how everyone judges him for it. And yeah. he's like, it's so good. Oh, my God. It's great. I don't want to read it, but... He was on The Daily Show talking, or it could have been The Daily Show where he was on a podcast or something, and he was just talking about like how, I think, getting The Daily Show was part of the reason why he actually got... Uh, the Gmail? Gmail. Yeah, he yeah. said that he was like, for some reason, comedy bookers and stuff didn't trust, even though he had these credits, <laughs> they didn't trust that it was really him when he was responding from the AOL, so he had to get like a yeah. Gmail address. Um, yeah. My mom has an AOL account, and I Does feel she? every time I have to send my mom something via email. My like, grandma, my grandma's no longer alive, but she signed up for email before. Yeah, I just wanted to put that in the conversation. <laughs> By the way, that's funny that you mentioned your mom. My grandma's no longer alive. <laughs> Moving right along, we're in Kendall Square. Um, no, she before she passed away, she wow signed up for email, and the the email address she signed up for was fcdingdong at aol.com. <laughs> Why? Because she somehow associated like getting email with like ringing a doorbell. So it's like her name, Florence Cohen, and then Ding Dong, FC Ding Dong. It was great. She was also like such uh, out of a cartoon of like, she like called us panicked when she got her first illegal operation and was like, I don't know what I did. Like the computer says I had an illegal operation. She was just like, couldn't handle any parts of technology. Did she think she was going to get like arrested? She seriously did. Which kind of makes sense. I mean, it's like, why is it called that? But yeah, yeah she was, she was really, really worried. <laughs> My grandmother died before internet happened oh wow i'm sorry <laughs> for a lot of reasons on that one well yeah she never got to see the internet which is i love the internet i'm a big fan yeah maybe she's up there googling in heaven i would hope so i would imagine if there is a heaven do you think the I internet wonder, exists i wonder what theology like i wonder what the theology around that is it's like is there internet in heaven that so yeah. sounds like a best-selling book <laughs> like that 100 percent sounds like like, like a malcolm gladwell-esque level yeah of... except it would be like like the like evangelical malcolm oh, gladwell you know it's like they they sell it at like truck bathrooms yeah, yeah, yeah. where like you stop at the rest stop and they're like next to it's like 500 what the bible says about like 500 weird things and they have like a picture like what the bible says about cocker, cocker spaniels and then this one would be like and what does the bible say about whether there's internet in heaven <laughs> I wonder. I really do wonder. Well, as it is on earth, so it shall be in heaven. I, I'm paraphrasing. I'm sure that many listeners of this podcast are both futurists <laughs> and theologians. So yeah. why don't you just write in and tell us what, what your take on it is. Yes, actually, if you do have an official take, especially if it's church-sponsored, on heaven and the Internet, please go to my website. It is kinesemobly.com and submit a contact thing, and I'll get it, and then I'll put it on the Internet. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Solid plug. Solid plug for our theology book. Yeah. Let's uh, turn and go back. Okay, cool. Yeah, we're just walking towards the bridge, which isn't, like, right now it's just completely covered in construction. It's pretty yeah. Bad. So what do people normally do on this? Are they, like, are they normally, like, given a real tour where they're, like, here's why everything's amazing, and I'm just, like, instead, like, I'd like to talk about me? No, that's exactly what it's about. Yeah, so this is just the springboard for like learning about you as a person. I read a, uh, I read a social psychology book that was like the peop when people rate that someone made the best impression on them, uh -huh. it's actually when they said the least and asked the most questions about the person. Ah. 
like people just like if like you let them talk about themselves like i'm like man kanisa and i had an amazing conversation she's so great and then it's like because she only asked me questions and refused to answer my questions about her i, I answered sort of yeah but i'd say like probably like what at most 15 percent of this conversation yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's like everyone's ideal right like they talk 85 percent of the time and they're like what a great conversation it's perfect for me because i don't have like a pressure to like entertain at all i just am like oh that's interesting tell me about that totally yeah, yeah. i feel that a hundred percent um the pressure to entertain <laughs> <laughs> well you need you need to do it otherwise you won't know if people like you yeah that's true and that's why one of the things that's hard for me about like recorded comedy or recorded podcasts is i'm like on the i can't ever like know right now like someone could be someone could have switched it off 10 minutes ago and i'm like still just talking into the void you know <laughs> I feel that way, and, like, even sometimes when I'm on stage, like, and there are people there, I'm like, you guys aren't really here. Like, oh, you guys... That's a sad show. That's not a show. I'll tell you that. If you feel like that, the show has gone badly. That's not a good sense. Like, kind of a... Like, you, you hear the words that I'm saying, and you're laughing at parts of it. Cool, yeah. that's great. You have, like, the Chris Tucker psychology, where it's like, do you hear the words that are coming out of my mouth? Do you hear the words? That's I, that's I don't know more. Chris Tucker. I don't know anymore. <laughs> Wait, I'm trying to think. He's in... Uh, 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 you're can. thinking of... of ru not no, Rush Hour. No, what's it called? Uh, what's uh, the name? The him, with ja him and Jackie Chan. Chan. Yeah. yeah. It's not Shanghai it's Nights. Like, it's like... Or Shanghai Stereotype Dance. Switch. Yeah. yeah. That's what it's basically called. I'm thinking of uh, The Fifth Element. Oh, I am. He says some memorable things there. Definitely too. not thinking of The Fifth Element. <laughs> I am thinking of a movie that's like... What is that? I'm going to have to Google this later. It's going to bother me. Yeah. What is, is Jackie Chan still alive? Yes. I feel like he hasn't been in stuff recently. Did he retire or something? He doesn't have to. He was caught up in that scandal where all the money in Panama. You he was that? caught in the Panama yeah. Papers? Really? I think so. I could be totally lying. But I feel, sure. I did not hear that at all. If that's true, that's amazing. And if you just got confused and it was a different Chinese person, <laughs> that's problematic. Ooh. There were definitely many. It was Chinese. Misha Han. It was Misha Han who yep. does a joke about Jackie Chan. He was implicated, he was implicated in the in Panama. Panama. He's yep. doing really well. Good for you, Misha. <laughs> I'm so glad that you have enough money to be implicated in the Panama Papers. <laughs> right? That's you know you're doing really well if oh, you can yeah. be if you can be in a scandal about your money. Oh, I wish. Yeah. I think the only scandal is my mom constantly telling me that I need to learn how to invest. Someone, yeah, someone recently was asking me about, like, the business, like, the actual business side of being a stand-up comedian. Yeah. And you know when, like, you give someone too honest an answer and you can just see in their eyes that they're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so I, like, described how, like, oh, yeah, for, like, a while I was really having to, like, check and make sure that, like, my rent checks wouldn't bounce. And, like, right. I feel really good about the fact that, like, last couple, like, last year I have, I've, like, been just positive. My rent checks will pass every single yeah. time. And uh, <laughs> this guy just looked, like, he did the, like, uh-huh. And like that's so good for you. And just yeah. you could see like in his mind it was like going from like, wow, comedian to like, oh my god, this I'm so horrible. sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry for you. And I was like, no, 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 it's good. I, I'm describing that it's going well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. But I mean, I think that's what's it's that's the interesting part about like to make it serious. Yeah. Because that's what I'm trying to do on this podcast is like that's the kind of crazy thing about being an artist is like it really is like to me I'm like. I made it you because I just get to do it. Yeah. And so whenever people are like, but what about like making so much money? I'm like, no, no, no. You don't understand. Like I get to just do the thing. Yeah. Like that's making it. Anything else is icing on the cake. Like, sure. I'd like it. I'm not going to turn down money. <laughs> if I could get back on millionaire and win, I'd do it. And I know what NASCAR is now. <laughs> Can you go on that show twice? They, they brought someone back. Uh -huh. 
once. I think they brought someone back once and he did win a million dollars the second time. And it was only because he like lost the most money in the history of the show. So like he had like gotten, somehow he had like gotten, in the way the rules had worked that season, he yeah. had like gotten up to like $700,000 and then like dropped to like five or something. Uh -huh. So they were like, oh my God, the guy who like lost the worst in the history of the show, yeah. we're bringing him back so he can win. And he did win? He did win, okay, thank but you. I think they rarely bring people like me back who they're like, this guy did moderately well for a short period of time and then lost. Like, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't really that memorable. Not good TV. Now let's bring him back again. <laughs> hey, did he have a good backstory? Not at all. Like literally everyone else before me was like, I have a serious medical problem oh, and like, God. I need this money to live. And then they'd be like, how much money do you think you need? And they'd be like, I think, if I got $10,000, it would cover all my bills. And then the person would get 15, and people would be like, yeah! yeah. Or the guy before me was like, this really charming guy. And he was, he was like, I just had my third baby this week, and we bought a house, and like all this stuff is just coming up at once. Oh. It was, I'm kind of putting all my eggs in one basket here. And then that guy won, I think, like thirty or $60,000. Oh, and people were like, hooray! And then they came on with me, and they were like, so what do you, what's your thing? And I was like, I want to be a comedian. And they're like, and what do you do now? And I'm like, I'm a comedian. And they're like, what the hell? What happened? And they like, actually, in the like producers thing, they like kept being like, that's not a good enough story. Like, what's, we got to get you a, a real good story. Yeah. So they were like, what about, what about like, is there like a bucket list item? Something you want to do like before you die? And I was like, I hope I have a little while. Uh, so, the, so I was like, uh, well, I'm getting married. Maybe I used to pay for my wedding. And they're like, no, too boring. And then I was like, uh, I want to like, I, my dream is to have this public radio show uh, go national. Like yeah. I would use it to fund the show. And they're like, nope, not good <laughs> enough. And then the only thing they could come up with that they liked was my dad is retired and he's trying to climb the highest point in all 50 states. Oh wow! He's trying to go to the highest point, which is crazy and yeah. fun. Um, and they were like, that's great, except it's not your dad, it's you. <laughs> so they made me say that. So when I came on the show, they're like, if I win a million dollars, I'm gonna get to the highest point in all 50 states. It's my dream and it's a bucket list item I'd like to check off. And then of course they're like, and he didn't get it, sorry. <laughs> but yeah. That's things that they're like, okay. I mean, we did the thing where we allowed you on the show, but you're not interesting enough. Oh my gosh, it's a rabbit, but like a wild rabbit. Whoa, look at that. See, I knew this was my favorite place for a reason. Look at this. Not only is there free Wi-Fi, but there's also, like, an actual wild rabbit around here. Look at how we're so close to it, and it does not. Let's see how close we can get without it being freaked out. You can do, like, the double approach where, like, yeah. I come from one direction, you come from the oh, other direction. Oh, you want to do that? Okay, yeah. Oh, no. Oh, I didn't get into the bushes, like, fast enough. We could hold we the microphone grab up. <laughs> grab that rabbit and microphone. <laughs> this podcast ends with a rabbit being probed with this microphone. Yeah, I it definitely... I like to record the sounds of, like, animals. Just, like, I think more than that, I'd like to video someone just, like, saying things to an animal and just, like... It's a very silly image to oh, yeah, me. That's, I think interviews with wild animals is a great idea for a sh very short web series. <laughs> Question, well, it question has to end animal. with, like, a, like a mauling or something, but... Oh, so when I was, uh... When I was like in sixth grade, uh -huh. one of the only things I asked for for Christmas was Wild America Animal Attacks. And I got this like VHS that was just like all this like, you know, like Marty Stouffer's Wild America. So it was like a real nature program. Yeah, yeah. But this was a VHS where it was just all the moments where either they had caught on camera or like people had sent in just people being viciously destroyed. <laughs> like there's someone like in Yellowstone where a bison like throws them into the top of a tree or like I remember there's like a skier who gets attacked by a bobcat like... What? It was 
I, I remember that was one of the best Christmas presents I ever got. It was just this VHS that I like, I actually ruined the tape because I watched it so many times. Just being like, oh my God, that guy got thrown in the tree. You got destroyed. Oh, so funny. Do you still watch videos of people getting mauled or injured? No, it's funny. I like have no interest in that now. And I like, I'm kind of squeamish now about like injuries. But as my hormones were kicking in, I was like, there's only two things I want. A girlfriend and to watch someone get mauled by an animal that doesn't seem aggressive. <laughs> like, what's an animal that doesn't seem aggressive? Uh, I was shocked that a bison or a moose were like way worse. They were so much worse. The bear was like, yeah, it's your mistake. But like, you go up to pet a moose and then it just murders you. And it, that was the only one where that was the only one where someone actually died on oh, the shit. video. The moose killed them. Jeez. Yeah. I'm Hippos kill more people than lions. That doesn't surprise me. Really? Well, I I've mean, heard it. I've heard that. Yeah, just because it's a, it's a surprising fact that everyone says, so it's no longer surprising. <laughs> but that doesn't seem right. Yeah, I mean they they certainly kill more people than sharks, and everyone's so afraid of sharks. Oh, a, a real fact is that in New York City, every month, more people are bitten by humans than are bitten <laughs> by sharks all year. That doesn't mm. that doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> I, I also am not surprised by it, but that that I always just. Don't know no, really? A stranger a party. Oh, but it wasn't like, no, it wasn't just like, like on the, on the street. street. This is what I'm talking about. I'm talking like, like street. random street biting. <laughs> that happens more than shark attacks by far. By by a factor of 10 at least. What? Did I is there any information around like oh, it's normally associated with this like psychological disease or like My guess. Rabies? Now, this is, is based on rabies? This is based on zero facts, <laughs> okay. just pure speculation. But my guess is you're on public transportation, it's really crowded, and you're just like, it's been a long day, <laughs> and this arm is right here, and what is this fucking person's deal? And then you just <laughs> chomp down on an arm. Because I've been in a place where you thought of that? I've definitely been like, this person's arm is all up in my face, <laughs> and my teeth are right here, and I can't move my arms because it's so crowded, but I could chomp down and be like, how dare you put your stinky pit in my face? You've never thought about that? Come on. I feel like I've that. I've thought about like punching someone, but I've never thought about like. I'm telling you, you're in a situation where it's so crowded you can't lift your arms. Ugh. No punching possible. Headbutt. Oh, yeah, that's more reasonable, <laughs> I guess. Although I could injure, I feel like if you headbutt wrong, you can like injure yourself. Like that worries me. I saw it in a movie, Starter for 10, with James McAvoy and some other British people. You've used a lot of, a lot <laughs> of the time, oh, that's the second time we've plugged an obscure movie. <laughs> Well, he goes to, like, headbutt somebody. Okay. And then, like, he... You're supposed to make one part of the nose hit... Oh, you're definitely not supposed to use your nose at all. Well, no, <laughs> no like, head, like, your head's supposed to hit a part of their nose to, like, oh, break their nose yeah, yeah, or, like, yeah. knock them over. You want forehead to nose. You don't want yeah. to use your nose in a Yeah, but I think the person did, like, nose to forehead oh, and then, like, knock them... reversed it. Yeah. yeah. That's real bad. And I'm worried about that. That's my fear. Well, yeah, you got to make sure protecting your nose has got to be your first priority. Yeah. Like no nose contact. I think it was. I don't think that movie was that obscure. Maybe it was. I actually don't watch. I watch surprisingly few movies. I like them, but I, they're so expensive. Oh, you pay for movies? How do you watch them? Netflix, Hulu, Amazon. Oh yeah, Prime. but then you gotta wait so long. Oh yeah. 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 I do go to the movies like every week though. So. I watch, I'm more on Netflix or like Hulu. I'm more of like a TV series person. I what still really think about like I'm gonna watch a movie. I don't know really? why. It's just like I'm like series. I get in. Nice. Wait, what shows do you watch? 
well, right now I'm obsessed with the Great British Baking Show. I've heard of this. Okay, so it's like, it seems, nothing about it seems appealing. Like when it was described to me, I was like, why would I ever watch this show? And then so many people told me that it was amazing that I was like, I'll give it a shot. And I, I don't like cooking shows. But you like spoons. I, I, yeah, a spoon is... It's like it's, a mixing spoon. It's almost a joke, though, that okay. I like the spoon. But now I like it because they actually gave it to me. Nice. But no, no, I... We could talk about that. The spoon is a whole nother podcast, Kenise. We can't start talking about the spoon. But what happens on the Great British Baking Show, the reason it's amazing is, so in like an American reality show, uh-huh. even if it's about food, right. the stakes are so unnecessarily high. Yes. Right? It's like, you need to win this or else you won't get a, you won't get your chance to open a bakery right. and your children will starve. And like when people lose, they cry and they like sabotage each other. Yeah. And there's always like, dun, dun, dun music. Yeah. And like when they win, they like, yes, oh my God, thank <laughs> you so much. And what's amazing on the Great British Baking Show mm-hmm. is even when someone wins, like when they win at the end of a round, yeah. they just go like totally stone-faced, uh-huh. <laughs> That's it. No other reaction. They're just like, okay, great. I would be so thrown off by that. Yeah. And then when they lose, they're like, okay, fair. <laughs> and like they leave. It's just amazingly. So like actual professionals. Or like zero emotions. <laughs> like in a way where I'm like baffled by like how well they can suppress all emotions of either excitement or, and also like the highest stakes, the biggest controversy in the whole show ever was called Bingate. What is Bingate? It's where once a guy gets upset that his like cake didn't set, his baked Alaska to ice cream melts, and he just throws it in the trash. Like that's the <laughs> highest drama moment in the whole show is he throws a cake away and then people are like, <gasps> and he's like, it was broke and the cake wasn't good. And they're like, you threw it away? And he's like, I put it in the bin. Bingate. It's amazing. Like you watch it, here's what happens. Like, Bad things going on in the world, right. horrible politics, everything right. is disaster. You watch this, it's just like a pure infusion of joy straight into your brain, where it's just like British people restraining their emotions, yeah. saying very silly little puns where they're like, oh, would you put some of your grandmother's baked nuts on this? Yo, my grandmother's nuts are the tastiest. And then everyone's like, oh, weird. Why did you say that? And then they just have like little cute accents and make like weird meat pies and stuff. And it's just amazing. It, Cannot be described, has to be experienced, the greatest thing in the world. And it's on, is it on Netflix? It's on Netflix. I'll watch it. Yeah. In Britain, it's called The Great British Bake Off, Uh and in America, it's called The Great British Baking Show, which I'm not really sure why, but. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, it's great. All right. So, wait, what would you be doing if you weren't doing comedy? I know you probably get that question a lot, and you host a show that involves science. Any leanings towards that? No, not at all. In fact, I think the science show works because I'm so not a science person that, like, if I can understand it, anyone understands it. Mm-hmm. I, if I was, I would almost definitely still be teaching okay. at, at an elementary school. I loved teaching. I really liked it a lot. Um, I only quit because I was like, this is the thing I love that I'll do forever anyway. Right. And once it seemed like maybe I could make money doing it, I was like, if I don't quit, I'll never, I'll always wonder what would have happened. Right. And the beautiful part about teaching is like, I could go back at any time and it would still be like, I wouldn't like have missed, I would have missed out on students, but I wouldn't be like at a different point in my career because it's really just a skill. Like I would be less skilled than I would have been, but Mm. I would still have the same title. Do you know what I mean? It's not like if you like quit your job as an advertising exec and then you go back, you're like, now everyone who's your peer is like 14 and you're like, I don't understand how to advertise on Snapchat. Whereas like as a teacher, you like go back and it's like, there's people of all ages and they're all teacher. It's just you and the kids. That makes a lot of sense. So it just felt like a low stakes. It felt like low stakes to try it. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, since it's working, I'm like, I'll keep trying it. That makes a lot. Of, they're at, I've met quite a I few. Done it, I really would have done it anyway. Like I would still be doing comedy. I just wouldn't be getting paid. Right. 
there's so many comedians who used to be teachers. Like, do you think that there's some totally connection? It's the same. It's so such the same skill. It's you stand up in front of a room full of people who may or may not want to be there, <laughs> and you have to get their attention, and you have to make them do a thing. And in teaching, it's like you have to make them engage with information. Yeah. And in laughter, it's like you have to make them engage with your stories or your jokes and laugh. Yeah. But both ways, it's like semi-hostile group of people, mm -hmm. and you have to convert them into something else. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, completely unrelated, no segues. Uh, since you've moved away, besides the libraries and things and Honest Taqueria, what else do you miss? Ooh, uh, yeah, honestly, the biggest thing I miss is that Boston is a big city, but there's not as much to do. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like I saw my friends so much more. Yeah. Like, it'd be like every Sunday I would have dinner with people or like every week I like ran into the same people. And in New York, there's just so many things going on that like, even when I like people who I love, it's like, we'll see each other like once a month or like once every two months. And we're like, yeah. we're doing so great. And here it was like, I'd see people multiple times a week. Right. So I feel like that like smaller, like the little bit of smaller world is what I miss the most. Okay. All right, so we're coming up on the hour. What are some things that you want people to know about you that they may not already know? Oh, I absolutely want you to know nothing else about Why? me. <laughs> if you don't know, if you know more about me than you've heard here, you don't know too much. <laughs> I want you to know nothing else about me. I also want you to forget everything you learned on this show. <laughs> My name is Kenise Mobley. <laughs> you can find me at KeniseMobley.com. <laughs> no, what, what do you mean? I, what do I want people to know about me? Uh, I literally, nothing real. No facts. No facts? I want you to know I'm six foot five and... I'm, the fact that you had to look means that I'm you are so. If I was 6'5", you would not be holding a microphone to my mouth right now. Oh, you are okay. much smaller than that. I am 5'10". Oh, okay. um, I don't have a. I actually don't wish I was taller. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> Cut that out. Okay. Cut this out. What do I wish? Nothing. Uh, wait. What do you mean? You, you want me to plug things? You can plug things, but also just like. Uh, people have this impression of me, but actually this other thing. Oh, yeah. Everyone thinks I'm a nice guy, but I'm actually a bitch. And I'm ready to I'm ready to have the world know. I'm not going to hold it back anymore. I'm here, and I'm not trying to make friends. I'm trying to be real. I like libraries, and I like talking shit. And, Kenise, I hate you. Your hair wig is weird, and I could tell it was a wig the whole time. Guys, <laughs> that was Chris Duffy. This is Person About Town. Thank you for listening. Bye.